Well, that sucked. Um, so you have the dream season in front of you, possibility of a legitimate possibility of going undefeated with a very talented football team. And you, you know, terribly play for the field goal, make a ton of clock bad decisions and whatever. And yet your defense still gets out there and pushes them back 14 yards on from first down to fourth down. And it's fourth and 24, which is about the best possible situation you could be in in that spot. And you make them use their last time out and they chuck it up there and they convert on fourth and 24 and then scramble into the end zone and beat you. So the odds of USF losing that game uh, at the point of fourth and 24 were probably what? One in 20, one in 30, at least yeah. in regulation. You know what I mean? I mean like to lose it regulation, super three, four percent maybe, right? Yeah, if we if we had the the win expectancy, it was probably USF ninety nine point nine or ninety nine point seven. Like it was, so, yeah, it was up great. there. And so now, because you don't convert and you don't knock the ball down. And even though they did get good pressure and they forced King out wide and, and like, I mean, if you look at the play, they did pretty well. They just didn't knock the ball down. So now the playoff committee comes out and they put UCF deservedly. In, in fact, I think UCF's even a little low. I think at 17, they're, they're a bit underranked. Mm-hmm. Memphis is ahead of you. But those are likely two teams that you're still going to get to play. If you beat UCF, you will get a shot at Memphis and you will still be able to play for the Peach Bowl. So the good news is it's all still right there. The bad news is, is that it seems like nothing is changing. And the fact that Charlie Strong and Sterling Gilbert didn't come out there and say, you know what, guys, this is on us. We made mistakes. We didn't look at ourselves as a team. The process things that they just refuse to acknowledge. I think that's what worries me more than anything. You know, it's one thing to lose. Losing happens. You know, you're in good. I mean, your process is pretty good. You, you knocked them back 14 yards between first down and fourth down. That's great. Your process is good to that point. And then when your process goes bad, the inability to acknowledge it, the inability to acknowledge that on, you know, what was it? Was it third down where they snapped the ball with 16 seconds left on the play clock? Yeah. Uh, on, so, on the last drive. so they're driving so, down. They get it mm-hmm. first and 10 at the right. Houston 19 after Quentin gets uh, the first down. Right. Yeah. Huh? They go hurry. They go hurry up. Uh, Which is but, just galactically stupid. I'm sorry. That's just galactic. Force them to call a timeout there. Yep. Um, so that's where I guess you and Jamie kind of had divergent paths on this call because you know if they're still trying to go hurry up because there's there's still over three minutes left in the game and usf's at the houston 19. so you kind of understand going hurry up there kind of i disagree because i don't think the hurry up is very effective in the long run it's been scouted and you know i've only i i said i was going to watch the second half of the game today i've only watched the first half I've only gone back and watched first stuff because when I'm watching it, I'm actually charting every play and it'll all make sense whenever I get around to writing it. But I, they're going to hurry up right into the best part of Houston's 
defense, which is yep. the fact that you have to double team Ed Oliver because he, my God, he is a freak of nature. He, I, I've just never seen anything like this and watching any defensive player that's ever played against USF. Um, he's just incredible. And so why would you hurry up to smash the ball within anywhere near that man? I, I just don't understand. And that just, it shows a lack of, you know, and what's, what are the coaches are going to say? Well, if we would just execute, well, if we just execute bullshit, bullshit, you got to put yourself in position so that your players have an easier time executing, you know, and sometimes the other guy's better than you. And so it's your job to put your guys that are better than them in positions to win. And by the way, that is Nate's daughter in his car <laughs> with him right now. And we figured Olivia would be good for the podcast because we need some sunshine in our lives right now after this week. Honestly, so. <laughs> you know, there's one play that really sticks out with Ed Oliver. Cam Ruff pancakes him, puts him on the ground, puts him on his ass. Oliver still gets with up and makes the sack. It was like, I think it might've been in the second half. Oliver okay. gets pancake and then gets up and sacks Quentin on a pass. I, like, just... <laughs> I, I He's so understand. good. He's amazing. He's a, he's a freak. You, you notice when, uh, I think it was the third uh, touchdown USF scores, the Quentin Flowers QB sneak. They don't go up the A-gap. They bounce it No, outside. they pull it out. They pulled it. Uh, they pulled it two slots outside, didn't they? I haven't yeah, gotten that far. Yeah, they went. They, they went. Did. They went C gap off the off the right tackle's butt. Yeah, and that was. And they I were. said that on Twitter during the game. I was like, that was smart. Like, get away from that man. Like, and, you know, Quentin pulled it a couple of times and was able to get yards. But Sterling, in his infinite dumbassery, <laughs> continually hit. Halfback died, halfback died, halfback died. And it's just, you can't keep doing that when you're averaging 2.5 yards a carry. 2.5. So, 2.5 yards carry. And I said that in the press conference, and I asked Charlie, I said, is this run, is this offense creative enough? Is this running game creative enough? And he's like, well, we, I, some version of we got to execute better. Bullshit. Scheme to your talent. Don't talent your scheme. Mitchell Wilcox is a half, a half tight end, half fullback. Isn't what USF should be doing. Mitchell Wilcox should be splitting his time between tight end and, and split out as like almost to the flanker. Okay. With, uh, you know, either in the slot or standing on the line, you know, as a, as the sixth blocker, but Winding him up in the backfield does not suit his skill set, nor does it Elkana Dillon's. And using those guys as inefficiently as we have, and I, I was, I gave him the benefit of the doubt all year. I said, you know, these first games, they're just kind of going through the motions here. This is kind of just a glorified exhibition. You know, I, I was, we made the T-shirts after Stony Brook. You know. And we said, let him cook because we all believe that. But you go, all right, maybe they learned something from that, you know, and the rest, and they really weren't tested for the next, you know, four games. Then it's Tulane, it's 34 seven. And then all of a sudden it's 34 28 and you're not moving the ball. And I get, I get a little scared. Connor and I were both, you know, going, this is not good. We're seven and oh, and this is not good. And Houston can very well win this game. And then all of a sudden, you have you have lead 
and you can't put teams away because this you're just not putting players at call. Again, it's the same arguments that we've had since the beginning of the season, since week two, since we saw that. Where are mm-hmm. the screens? Where? Why isn't the middle of the field being opened up? Why isn't Quentin pulling it more? Where, you know, they, and the thing is, you see the stuff that's there. You know, I, like I said, I've only done first half, but my favorite play to watch so far is this, this dive concept where they read the defensive end for Houston. He, they do uh, mesh point. He chases Tice. So Quentin pulls it, throws it to McCants on like a bubble concept. McCants gets a good block. Then he's five yards downfield when he meets his guy already. He can beat that guy. He beats him. He takes it for 33. And if he doesn't put half of, of a, a toenail out of bounds, he takes it to the paint. Where is more of this? Where is where is putting athletes in space? That's all I want. Just put these. Our guys are better than their guys. We have more talent. Put your guys in space and let them win. One on one, Tyree McCants is going to run somebody over. Darius Tice on the he's going to beat somebody. MVS is an NFL receiver. Let him go out and win one on one over the top. And and then you open up guys like Antoine in the slot. Like if you've got to cover everybody, if you've got to put safeties high and you can run Antoine over the middle or on, you know, not mesh point, but the mesh routes, you know what I mean? Like crossing shallow crossing stuff over the middle. You can, you can do so much more if you just let these kids. And look, Quentin missed some throws early. No doubt. He had some throws to the sidelines that he didn't look comfortable but that's never going to be his strength is this intermediate route. Throw it deep, okay, or throw it real short. But this mm-hmm. intermediate five-yard hitch, you know, seven-yard stop routes, all of this stuff, it, no, no, no. That's not – you're putting the square peg in a round hole, and you can do it for an extended period of time, but at some point it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And – it, it, I just can't take it anymore. And, and, and until I see something different, look, we're going to we're gonna beat UConn just because they're beat up and they suck. All right. And all their good players are hurt. And not that they had any good players anyway, but the kids that were of moderate talent, you know, 14th year senior Archie Newsom's not going to play. You know, they just don't have enough horses right now to, to compete. USF could play 11 on 10 maybe and win this game just on talent. No one can screw this up. So we're going to beat UConn. Tulsa does some weird stuff. They can be really efficient at some points. I think USF defense is, is obviously ahead of the offense at this point, and I think they'll be able to shut them down. I do think they'll beat Tulsa just on talent because Tulsa is clearly down this year. There is no way that the season doesn't get destroyed on Black Friday if they continue to just play like this. They're mm-hmm. done. They're absolutely done. And so you're looking at, you know, nine and two and the bad boy Gasparilla Bowl. And it's just such a waste. It's an absolute yep. goddamn waste. It, I I think I think I defended Sterling a little bit more earlier in the season than most. I think you did as well. And yep. I mean, as you said, we're we're seeing that this is just who he is. You know, Dearness Johnson has six catches this year. He had twenty eight last year. Christ. I didn't even I didn't even look at that. That's incredible. He has, he has six catches. That All is right. that is that is 
That is fucking malfeasance. I'm sorry. That is absolute fucking malfeasance. That is the most one of the most versatile players in your conference. That kid has what well, he's thrown for three career touchdowns, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Okay. He has thrown in his career for what twice as many touchdowns as passes he's caught this season. That's a joke. That is an absolute fucking joke. And, you know, it, it happened at Texas. I mean, their running backs never caught the ball either. So this is just Sterling, Sterling's offense. And there is a play in the playbook that I saw during fall practice that worked beautifully that they have not used at all. And it involves using the tight ends, which I guess Sterling doesn't like to do anymore. All right. So at the snap, they would bring the tight end behind the line uh, and then either do a shovel pass to him up the middle or he would leak out to the flat. And it worked every time. Either way they did it, it always worked. We have not seen that this year. It's just those wrinkles, you know, those little, it's not even a trick play, but it's just something we've never seen before that he refuses to do. I mean, there's a damn USF account called HB, uh, USF HB dot. Saw that. <laughs> there's a damn account for it. And then someone gloriously put together the, uh, what was it, like the Tecmo Bowl or that was, play calling? Best thing oh, that just, came out of the game. Brilliant. The best thing that came out of the game was that. Tice run up the middle or Johnson run up the middle. I mean, it was so insane. funny. It's insane. Um, if someone could, if someone who ever made that picture can get a hold of us, by the way, because I would, I mean, I want to make t-shirts of it. I'm not even kidding. Like, I, I think, yeah, I, please, whomever that person is, I want to make sure that they get credit and we can find a way to, to work it. I don't know who, I don't know who the originator was, but I want to make t-shirts out of that picture because I think it's, I just, it encapsulates everything that's gone wrong so quickly. And I just, you went to the press conference, you asked questions on Tuesday and it just, the, the frustrating thing, it's like, if you go back and, and you hear, you know what, guys, we made mistakes. We, you know, we didn't call, you know, we, we probably should have opened it up a little bit more. You know, we, we made some mistakes in clock management down the stretch and then we'll, we've got to get those things fixed and cleaned up as we go forward this season. I go, okay. All right. People make mistakes. That's fine. But did you hear anything like that at all? Towards the end of the press conference, Charlie, Charlie said that he told the team that it's on him, but he still, it still boiled down to execution. You know, he was asked about the play calling and he said, you know, it's just still execution and whatnot. But it's like guy at some point you got to realize your offensive coordinator that you hired to save your job at Texas, who didn't do the damn job, isn't doing the damn job now when you have a much better offensive talent pool at USF than you did at Texas. There's a common I mean, denominator here, and it's not Quentin Flowers and his lack of uh, passing ability. It's the guy calling the plays. This is just such a waste of such a talented team. And, you know, we're bitching about 7-1 right now, by the way. I mean, and just furious, furiously mad about 7-1. You know uh, what? Because if we had kept Wisconsin on the schedule this year, even though they've had a weak-ass schedule as well, we would have been creamed by them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, we're, if, if this is if this is the, the scheme we were going to run against Wisconsin, um, they'd have killed us. Absolutely. So, I mean, maybe maybe it's a good thing they rolled that game back. I don't know. But this ain't good enough. And, you know, the irony is, is that nine and two 
which I think right now certainly looks like the final record if everything holds. And I think you could probably mm-hmm. get, um, you couldn't even get even money on every other record. I think nine and two looks like the chalk right now by far. Um, if, if that is the case, well, who's going to hire Charlie Strong? And remember the way Charlie's contract is structured is basically it's two years of a rental. You know, USF paying him a million bucks. I think it's the, like 1.1 million next year or something like that. I got to look, but it's something I think like it's, that. It is, I think it's a million, a million, and then it jumps up like to like, 2.5 or something like that. I think it's even a real rock. contract. It's like even a little more than that. And and the buyout isn't like the full value of the contract. Like it's not even close to that. It's a it's a much much less of a buyout. But mm-hmm. but this contract was basically structured under the the guise of all right, Charlie. If you win enough, maybe we'll come up with the revenue where we can pay you. And if not, then, you know, you'll move on to somewhere else and you're going to owe us. You know, I think it's between 2.2 and 2.5 million dollars. Olivia, how much is it? Somewhere between 2.2 and 2.5 million. Um, she agrees. As part of his buyout. Yeah. So who's going to hire this guy to, to take over another job? And, and look, you know, every job in the SEC is open. They're all open. Yeah, I mean, there's at least five jobs open in the SEC for sure. Um, right. After what happened in Tennessee this weekend, uh, Butch Jones might as well start packing, or if he, if he hasn't already sold his house, he should probably start thinking about it um, because letting a player play concussed for like almost two quarters and then only taking them out with 22 seconds left is is a reason just, to get fired for cause and no buyout. I mean, exactly. that's for cause. If he knew. I mean, the, I don't know if he knew, but if he knew, that's for cause. If anyone, if any coach, medical staff knew that that kid had a concussion and let him play for almost two quarters, fired. They should just be blackballed out of the out of the game. But you fired. know, it's not going to happen. It's just yeah. the the coaches preach and preach and preach that they care about the players, but then they do shit like that, and it it kills me. I know. And to give credit to USF, I, I don't, you know, the, I've never, it, I don't think I've ever felt uncomfortable with a player getting on the field at USF. Fortunately, I haven't seen it since I've been here. I'm sure there are things that I can't even imagine that have happened that I don't know about, but something that's so blatant like that, I, I you know, but then again, maybe that leaks because the university's trying to take out Butch and this happens all the time. I don't know. So the, the lack of contrition scares me a lot more than the final score. Because look, if you look at it on paper, everything's still there. You know, they can still win this damn thing. They can still win the conference. We can still, we can also be spending New Year's Eve in Atlanta. Let's totally crash on Ryan's couch. Crash on Ryan's couch. This is totally physically possible. Like the math is there. If USF wins out, they're going to the Peach Bowl. Lock it up. But how the hell you get past that game on Black Friday when you're just plowing the goddamn ball into the line over and over and not putting athletes in position to win and saying we just got to execute better when you're trying to have you're jamming the square peg of the talent that you have, which is speed, 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 mm-hmm. quickness and elusiveness into the round hole of tight end lined up as a fullback, jamming the ball between the lines with a, a an offensive line that. I mean, yes, okay, Cam Ruff did Pancake Alley Oliver once. I watched that first half. I think it was the first series 
Ed Oliver beat Cam Ruff. Like I, I just I've never seen anything like it. He tried to reach block him and and just oh my god, like uh, it was terrifying. So mm-hmm. you got that's just not putting guys in position to win. And uh, I mean it, we all see it. Like you know I these are professionals. These are guys that pay a lot of money to coach football. They know they have forgotten more about football than yeah I'll I will know. But that that doesn't mean they're 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 putting the guys in a position to win correctly. And, Absolutely. and, and I just, I can't, can't justify this anymore. I, th- I think this is a pretty telling stat. So Darius Tice, he had an okay game, com- you know, compared to how everyone else was running. He had 26 carries. The Ernest Johnson had 14 carries. So between them, they had 40 carries. Quentin flowers, your best player on offense. Bar none had 14 carries, but wait, he was sacked four times. So he really only had 10 carries. And how many of those were, I mean, there were some design draws in there. There were some design QB. QB How many of those were, it was actually probably a pass and he took off. Not nearly enough. And I don't understand why he's not pulling it more because every time he pulls it, like it's good things because everybody knows it's going to be a dive. Right. So when he and does so when pull he, it, it goes for, you know, he, his long was of 16. And guess what? That was on a pull. He scores, uh, you know, going outside. It's just these simple concepts that the fans and us can notice. And Sterling just is like, well, these guys aren't going to know I'm going to run it up the middle. There's no way they're gonna know I'm gonna run up the middle. <laughs> they will watch tape. I got I got them fooled. They I think just, even though I ran it up the middle 23 times in a row, I'm not. They're, they're thinking I'm not dumb enough to run it up the middle 24 times. Oh, I am oh. that dumb. But Nate, if we just execute, if you just execute. You know, yeah, and people just when block, you're, you know, if you just when you when you just if you just execute your blocks, you're gonna have a big hole every time. I mean, and, and, the, and the, the other thing is like lack of creativity on formation. Like, you chart this team, and it's it's eleven personnel every fucking play. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they they don't they don't go five wide. They don't. You don't see a lot of 10. You don't see like, you don't see like diamonds and stacks. And although there was like one where they, they lined up three guys on a, like a hurry up. It was like fourth and one. And they lined up three guys outside the numbers on the boundary side. Like, and they were going to do something. And then Houston called timeout. But I just, uh, I, I don't know. And the, those are the formations I miss. I love those diamond sets. Yeah. Right. Because there were so many play like play calls that you could do from that diamond set. You know, they they did the screen and go. They would do the screens. They would do the you know the tunnel screen, the bubble, and you would have three guys blocking already for you, already out wide. Or you'd have the and, or you'd have the slant, or you could just have the yeah. guy. You know, they got to take everything. They got to take everything downfield. So you take the slant over the middle. How many times did we see out of the diamond formation? Quentin would pump the uh, pump the screen, and mm-hmm. then go deep for a touchdown. Yeah, I think Ty. I vividly I remember Tyree McCann scoring on it. Uh, versus SMU, I believe MVS scored on at least twice last year. And you know, another thing, Marquez Valdez Scantling, number one guy. He's clearly an NFL talent. He has been the a rock offensively uh, 
catching the ball while everyone else has, you know, had their drops this year. And he, you know, he goes 10 for 186. First time since SMU last year, a wide receiver goes over 100 yards. And his yards per catch this year are down four yards. So we're, we're taking deep shots. That's all we do. And still, his yards per catch are down four yards from last season. That makes no sense to me. If that, if all you're doing is taking shots, he should be hovering around 18, 19, maybe even 20 yards a catch. Yeah, and and now he's the deep shot guy. They 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 use the guys like Alaka and McCants on these and Salomon on these stop routes where they're just going five yard hitch, five yard hitch. You know, you know, run out, see soft coverage, turn around. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's not a throw that favors Quentin's skill set. No, it's, I mean it's, it's, it's not throwing across throwing across the damn field with Quentin's arm. I mean, I, I said it in the Slack channel, like he's throwing across the field with a noodle arm. Like it's, it's a noodle arm when he's when he's making those throws across the field. It, either he doesn't have the confidence in it because you know he he can put some touch and some power behind you know the deep shots, but going across the field he 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 lost it. And there was one play uh, I think it was it, it might have been Houston where it was a I think it was a hitch route to Solomon, and Solomon's waiting for the ball to get there. The DB is like five yards back yeah. and still makes up uh, the yeah, yard Houston. Def- defends it. Like, yeah, it was you Houston. can't do that. Ball was on the left hash. They, Solomon was lined out wide to the right. They, you know, they run some sort of like play act, like barely play action with Tice. And they throw it and it took it so long to get there that by the time the ball got there and, and it almost was picked off. And it's like, yeah. it's almost a pick six. And, and I just. Uh, I can't take this. I can't take this. It's such a waste. It's it's such a damn waste. And uh, I don't see how. Look, man, it's week nine. You are what you are. You're not going to change. And no, we're going to throw I, this I out mean, there. I said that two weeks ago. Yeah, you are what you are. I, I, I Tulane's Tulane scared the crap out of me. I was like, you know, everything else between Stony Brook and Tulane, I'm like, look, these are all trash teams, comfortable wins. It's fine. Tulane scared the hell out of me. And then Houston just died. You know, thank God. I mean, you inherit, like, this team's so talented. They're so good. And, and they just aren't being put in position to win. And the tragedy is, is that this defense, and you got to give strong credit for this, this defense is so much better. You, you know, everybody's going to look at the last drive. That is just some dumbass luck right there. A, a quarterback yep. that you didn't prepare for, yeah, a fourth and 24. Uh, I mean, just he breaks loose in, in the worst possible spot in the worst possible time. Like, it, it, you know, kid made plays, man. Give him that. And yep. this defense has been so, so much better. But the anchor around the neck is this offense. And it, it shouldn't – you put Willie – Willie Tagger is the offensive coordinator for this team. And they, I don't care what the schedule is. They're a top five team. Yep. I don't care. And like, <laughs> put him in the blast. I, put him in the strong, blast. <laughs> strong said in the press conference yesterday, he said he stayed up Saturday night thinking about what call he should have made differently on that fourth and 24. He, you know, he mentioned bringing a corner off the short side. That way, you know, King wouldn't they be able to roll out because the pressure would be right in his face. But I mean, it's the pressure was like, there. You can't, the pressure no. was there. It's why he got flushed. But he was saying if he brought the pressure, he wouldn't have been able to roll out right, give the wide receivers more time to get downfield. But, I mean, it's, you know, what are you going to do? But worry about – but here, you lost with 11 seconds left on the clock. You And to my 
if you worry about process, which certainly that's what we do, the process is don't worry about your play call fourth and 24. That was pretty good process. What was bad process was to snap in the ball with 16 left on the play clock on third down. Yep. That's where you lost the game. You left them too much time for no reason whatsoever. You had all three timeouts. You can run it all the way down and call timeout yourself if you want to. You don't have to hurry up, especially with the, the effectiveness. There. Now, have they busted a couple home runs this year on hurry up on first down? Sure. But at that point in the game, when you're already in field goal range, spin the clock, give yourself the best chance to win. I just, I mean, I don't, I'm over it. I'm over it. I can't deal with this. It's, 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 it's incompetence and it's malfeasance and I can't deal. Um, I've, I've kind of refused to go to the one day, Wednesday's availability when I'm able to, because I don't think I'd be able to hold my tongue in front of Sterling. And I think, uh, <laughs> Brian, um, USF's contact for football would be a little uh, upset with me um, if I berated yeah, his offensive coordinator. But we can't, we can't worry about that. Like, if you got to do it, you got to do it. And I'm not saying berate. You should always be respectful, and you should, you know, these guys are, you know, giving us their time, and you know, we may not think they're doing a great job, but they still go out there and you know, listen to us. And so, but yeah, I. Ugh. Anyway, all right. I have other things here. Let's get to the other stuff, and then we'll get to questions. Um, okay. Anthony, Anthony, do we sound angry? I'm not going to say angry. More irate, but likely so. And uh, I will say it's a lot less um, – I thought there was going to be curse words. I thought we were going to be, like, bleeping this, bleeping that. But, uh, yeah. Haven't I cursed plenty? I've cursed plenty, haven't I? I have Surely a six-month-old in my car, right? I can't curse that much. <laughs> God, you know what? She can't. She can't do earmuffs yet. She. Huh. She. You know what? She's six months. Like it's just a word. It's just. It's all. It's all just words. She's gonna learn them eventually anyway, Nate. It's okay. Okay. <sighs> I'll let Samantha know you said that. Good analytical. Uh thought process here i think you're right i think uh, a lot of people are angry but uh good way to not just say like oh hey we turned sterling into a verb huh that's funny yeah we, exactly. we did do that <laughs> you've been sterling sterling you know what i got one here's a t-shirt sterling silver not sterling but sterling silver okay and it's the silver medal from the from the war on i4 game like they get the gold medal and get the sterling <laughs> silver medal. Okay. Um, uh, you went to the press conference. Everybody's asking Charlie about all these other jobs that are open. And I'm like, really? Like, they just Damn. not. It, really? Like, because I could have just sworn I saw a coach totally botch game management. And he has, you know, kept on this offensive coordinator that is just taking one of the most delightful things that's ever happened to the university of South Florida. And I mean that like across the board of the university mm-hmm. last year's offense was a joy and a gift. And he has taken that and just destroyed it. And this is the guy that everybody like, really like, okay. And, and the odds boards, like the Vegas odds boards seem to indicate that Charlie's not as much of a candidate as I think the, the media at that press conference, but you, you, you were there. What did you see? Well, you know, it was just brought up and, you know, he was he was specifically asked, would you take an interview if Florida asked? He said, let me let me pull it up. He goes, I'd have to sit down and talk with Mark. 
you know, Mark is USF athletic director, Mark Harlan. So, I mean, he's thought about well, it. What a ringing endorsement for your current team. And then Tice gets up there and says, you know, he told us, don't worry about, you know, this is where he wants to be and blah, 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 blah. Well, Darius, you're a young man and you've been a great player and I've really enjoyed watching you and you're great in press conferences. Like that's a really nice, fun kit. Like he's, you know, engaging and, 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 you know, has a clearly has a bright personality and, you know, I'm rooting for you, Darius, but like as someone who's a little older and hardened and cynical, like first train out of here, man. Like I, yep. I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't want to be on the first train out of here. If you get an opportunity like that at a school with resources that USF can't even dream of. Yeah. I, I just, so he may want to be well, here and apparently his wife does really like it because they have family in Lakeland and all that kind of stuff. Come on, man. Like, um, I think, cornerback Dietrich Nichols is more on our line of thinking mm-hmm. uh, and he goes it is what it is what it is players play and coaches coach and while we're talking about players players out there on Twitter using Twitter as the ultimate uh, passive aggressive device uh, we see you and we that's all you. we're going to say we see you we see you and we're, we see you and we agree um, and we agree. I think we wholeheartedly agree. We wholeheartedly agree. The first, you know, half an hour of this, you, you know, we agree. We agree. Everybody. And we see. And we see. Okay. So baseball signed a deal. They're going to open the season with UNC Chapel Hill. Always a mm-hmm. huge baseball program. Um, oh, yeah. A school with a deep and rich history. That is a really great series, and apparently we're going to flip it, and we're going to go to Chapel Hill next year. Yeah, that's. I hope that's we go to I'm Chapel hearing. Hill. I hope we go to Chapel Hill later than February because I don't really want to be playing baseball in February in Chapel Hill, but I would love to play there in April or May. So that's fantastic, and like that should be a really fun weekend. That team should be really good this year. It should give USF fans something to look forward to. They're in their fall season right now, doing their you know, fall with a green and gold series, they're calling it. And, uh, yeah, you out there, you got any details on that? Uh, no, it's green team one today. Uh, Shane and Peter Strzelecki, I believe pitched today. So that we'll see, correct. I'll get a report on that tomorrow likely and see what, see what happened there. I'm excited for this team. I'm also a little ner- uh, nauseous for this team because who, who replaces Kevin Merrill at shortstop? From what, I, from what I understand, Coco Montez is going to play short and they're going to find someone to play second. It'll be a newcomer playing second. They don't really have, they didn't have much depth last, last year. I think Nick Sorelli was the only one that got any sort of playing time at second base uh, last year in the middle infield. So we'll see what happens there. Um, hope to God Joe Janor just DHs and doesn't play first base at all this year um, because he can he can hit ball very far, but he can't uh, cover throw. first on a throw over. Throw over to first, not a strength. <laughs> throw ball down third base line. Too <laughs> soon. See what he does. Cost team, so we'll cost team, big game. We're going to be very athletic in the outfield uh, with uh, Chris Chatfield and left uh, Duke Snuckle Jr., who I was shocked to play center field as well as he did last year, but he did. And then it looks like Gary Zek will be uh, right field. So I uh, don't think there's going to be anything falling uh, in that outfield. So, is, uh, Chatf- is this Chatfield's the leap year? Is Chatfield going to be like the guy who 
bust out and hits like 370 this year and like <sighs> 15 bombs, you know, because cuz he's I mean, tools, toolsy. He's he's, about tools. He's, 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 he's he's a huge he's, he's a hammer wrapped in a drill covered in a saw in terms of tools. Like he's yeah. so ridiculously toolsy. And like just, you know, third year put it together. And and, and this is his third year if he's going to get drafted. Like if he busts out this year, I mean, every scout in the world is going to look at that kid and go, oh, my God. Yeah. And, that you know, the scouts are going to be out because Shane McClanahan is going to be a top five pick next year. It's yeah. Like if he you know doesn't get hurt, pitches well, decently too well, he's going to be a top yeah. five, top ten pick. The kid is lights out. He's, he sits 96, 97. You know, most guys top out at 96, 97. No, he, he's sitting at 96, 97 and can hit 98, 99 when he needs to. Um, also, his, it, also his a top five U.S. Filthy. What? Yeah, yeah he's an absolute filth. The, when he was early earlier this season, like, you know, uh, Don and I, Don Miller from collegebaseball.net, or what's 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 Don's site? College, College Baseball Central, I believe. College Baseball Central, right? CollegeBaseballCentral.com. And Don and Don and I have been going to games for a long time, and I said, "This is the best kid either of us have ever seen here, like at all." And it, like it mm-hmm. was, it wasn't even a question. Like I mean, he's his stuff, especially early in the season. He wore down a little bit at the end, and um, you know, in the NCAA tournament, it looked like he wasn't himself, but. Um, but early in the year, I mean, his just stuff is just, it's phenomenal. And um, also a top five USF athlete on Twitter, like really good Twitter follow. And yeah, he's very, he's very kid. good. He's, he's up there. Uh, I mean, is there even a close second right now? Um, best USF athletes on Twitter. You know what? Bruce Hector and Devin Abraham. All I'm going to give them props because Bruce Hector, yeah. one of his friends last year, posted a picture of him when he was a little kid his birthday so uh every since then i stole the picture i haven't saved this it's in my favorites on my photo in my photo uh, gallery so i can just pull it up whenever he makes a great play and uh i mean he's in a buck shirt and like a cowboy hat it's fantastic he's like five years old and uh devin abraham started making jokes about it you know i made a call i made a twitter call i was like hey I need Devin Abraham's baby pictures ASAP. If he's going to make fun of Bruce for (laughs) his baby pictures, I'm going to need one. And I, you know, I asked him last week, I was like, am I ever going to get that picture? He said, you're going to talk to my mom. So mama Abraham, hook us up, (laughs) please. Uh, Devin also seems like a really sharp, insightful kid on Twitter. I've I've never talked to him outside of a press conference, but like, um, seems like a really, really sharp, interesting kid. So yeah, he's a definite top five. We should do, we should do a top like 10 USF athlete Twitter rankings. DJ's pretty funny too. DJ's good. DJ's good. There's a few of them out there. Yeah. Augie on Instagram is, is pretty great. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I barely check Instagram, but like, yeah, yeah Augie doesn't have Twitter. Because that's what I always have to do. I, I always tag the players, but I can never tag Augie because he doesn't have Twitter. Doesn't have Twitter. Stays off the, the Twitter. Probably a good idea for some of these guys to stay off Twitter. Yeah. Although I'm sure they get shit on Instagram too. All right. So anyway, that baseball series is going to be awesome. Uh, that We're excited for that team. They're going to need, like, it's going to come down to bats. You know, if they can hit the ball, they're going to be fine. But you're going to lose yeah. a guy who almost, what, you're going to lose, what do you lose? Like a 480 on base percentage leading off? And oh like man, the it, it, 
Yeah, it could have been. It could have been closer to five. Five hundred. Yeah. I'd be honest. Like, um, yeah, we'll see. And we, you know, we lose Luke Borders, who was uh, a rock in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. Um, there's still still question marks about whether Levi will be able to return. Um, he did get an he somehow got an extra an extra extra year of eligibility. Um, he's still working his way back. Um, from an undisclosed uh, ailment. Hopefully he can get back. But other than that, the catching situation is going to be Tyler Dietrich and then uh, to be determined. We all so, back, I think. Yeah, exciting. Um, all right, let's get this over with. I'm going to go to the Facebook. I will start on Facebook and then I will go to Twitter because we always do Twitter first, but I'm going to yeah, do the it, Facebook question There's a first. very good uh, Facebook question, I think. All right, hold on. Let me let me get there. So this is good radio. I'm outside on my porch tonight, by the way, because um, as you guys heard, Alexandra came home when I got home, and uh, she's like, "Go outside and do the podcast." So actually, it is a beautiful night out here. Like, you know, it, here's the thing: you think about this football team and how much they stress you out and everything. Like, let's all remember one thing here: like, we live in Florida. The sun shines every day. The world around you is lovely. USF is a much better institution, like than it academically than it was, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ago. Things are going forward. Yes, we're squandering the best football team we've ever had, but on the other hand, like there's still a lot of lovely things in the world. Let's not try and get too crazy about because mm-hmm. uh, some of the things I read, I'm like, people need to chill. Like I'm pissed, but it is still football. Like let's and then football, right? just real quick. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to read off some former uh, UNC baseball players while you pull up the Facebook questions. Uh, Matt Harvey. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, ah, pretty good. Uh, Not he anymore. Got hurt. You know, he was pretty good. Dark night, baby. Um, Andrew Miller. I was just going to say best UNC Light. pitcher I ever saw. That kid was amazing in college. Um, Kyle, Kyle Seeger. Uh, Corey Seeger's older brother. I think, I think it's safe to say that Kyle Seeger has been relegated to Corey Seeger's brother. <laughs> even though, yeah, even though at Kyle this point, Seager, yeah, pr- pretty damn good. He's, he's not his brother. <laughs> um, and Billy Ripken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically that that's about it. But I mean, some, some great kids, uh, have gone through, uh, Dustin Ackley. I don't know if you guys are second baseman outfielder. He would play for the Mariners, play for the Yankees. He's yeah, career. And they're just always in it every year. And like yep. they draw, they, they get good crowds. Like it's a good, it's a great program. And if you've never been to Chapel Hill, like just like, I mean, if it was like 10 to 15 degrees warmer year round, it would be the idyllic place to go to college. Like it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Steer asks us, why does my heart hurt? Well, your heart hurts because you're watching the most talented USF team ever get squandered. And anytime they lose to teams that are clearly inferior, it's always going to hurt. Um, but the way they're being managed is what really makes your heart hurt. And it just feels like it shouldn't be like this. It's not fair. It's not right that a team that has been assembled. And the thing is, like, they're such good kids. Like these kids are great. They're, they're really engaging. They're, they're smart. They're honest. Like all the ones that we interact with, like really, really good kids. And yeah, I've like I've I haven't interacted with uh, a D bag uh, yet. Uh, yeah. Through, with two years of this, they're all you know very personable and 
they'll they'll answer your questions. I mean, I think you know Quentin, very uh, quiet, but you know he you'll. You'll get some good answers from him, and you know if you ask him about his daughter, he'll light up and talk to you. At the end of the at the end of the day, it. Quentin's good. You know, at the end of yeah. the day, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, though, you at know, the end of the good. day. <laughs> um, but it just uh, my heart hurts. So Saturday night, some family stuff happened, and uh, my girlfriend's her other half of her family had a Halloween party. So instead of getting into the game i just I went to the halloween party and you know hung out and watched the game and then i was so i had to have fun after what happened and if i hadn't had to work at 8 a.m the next morning i would have uh, been pounding the jello shots that her mom made and uh just drinking all of the beers but yes yeah. alas i had to be responsible and it it's it sucks and my heart hurts too and hopefully whooping yukon's ass on saturday will help i don't care i don't care if we win by 10 i don't care if i don't i don't care i 100 percent care about process in this game i want I, I think i think if we execute with good process and i think if we change some things up and i think if we start putting guys in position to win and i think if we change the the, the entire game plan and strategy behind it, I think will win huge. So it's not that those two things don't correlate, but I care much more about seeing USF do the things that we all know that they're capable of doing that they have not done yet. That's what I want to say. I just, you that's know, all I care. I don't even care about the damn score. Just, I asked you know. Darius in the press conference on uh, Tuesday, I said, you know, you guys are getting a second chance to prepare for UConn. Have you guys like changed anything? Have you seen anything different on film? And he said, no, basically the, you know, some of the stuff we were, we were going to do that game. We're going to do this game. So it makes me kind of think they're not going to change anything up. So they, lovely. I mean, lovely. Yeah. Awesome. Just great. So, we'll um, see. uh, I know it really, Greg, J J J A G H A B. Hi, Greg. Sorry. I butchered your name. Uh, I know it really doesn't matter much, but what kind of shot does SMU have against C dot? Not bad. Like it, it take, it would take a fluky game. It's going to take a fluky game. Like Houston needed to beat USF, but you know, USF also shot themselves in the foot a hundred different ways. Uh, C dot tends not to shoot themselves in the foot as much, but SMU can, they can do some things. Like, do I think they're going to win? No. But can they make a game out of that? Could that like, could you wake up and like, you know, see that game like within one score at the end of the third, early in the fourth quarter? Sure. Totally possible. Um, I, you know, I got a question for you. You know, I, we we're, we're, we shoot ourselves in the foot, but it's not with turnovers. Would you rather no. turn Like, would you rather have your team shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers over what the, you know, this process that they're shooting themselves in the foot with, like, what would you rather have the turnovers or just bad play calling? I mean, at least the turnovers are, mis are mistakes of commission as opposed to mistakes of omission. You know, like at least you're trying something, even if you're failing, like at least you're trying. <sighs> turnover the turnover thing is huge like that's it's Quentin's best quality that doesn't get credit for is that this team just doesn't turn the ball over and uh, you know it's it's amazing you can't credit this offense for it because he's been doing it since he got here he just doesn't turn the ball over and I don't know I, I would rather see I mean obviously I would rather see mistakes of commission because 
you know, as frustrating as it can be, look at what Houston did. You know, Houston turned the ball over as much as anybody until last week. Even turned it yeah. over last week a little bit too. Yeah, but that was it, a majestic you, turnover. Oh yeah, yeah that was glorious yeah. turnover. That um, was great, and <laughs> but, nothing came of it. Right, but like it, you know, we. But at least it gives you a puncher's chance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if you're making the huge mistake, well, at least you, you can get in the ring and swing, and you might knock somebody out like Houston did. So. Eric McGartland, how worrisome is it that Charlie Strong and the staff continue putting the blame on the players for poor execution and not their own inability to manage the clock and switch up the play calling? Should we expect to continue to see the same struggles on all three sides of the ball since nothing has changed up to this point? Or was last week's heartbreaking loss a wake-up call for the coaching staff? Well, I think this entire podcast was dedicated to this question. And I think we kind of already answered that, so... Uh, it's going to file this under not great, Bob, and just put the office space gift right here. Okay. Um, my buddy, Dan. Hey, Danny. Uh, can you talk about how awful Gilbert is at OC? Well, I think we've done that already. Okay. Uh, Josh wants to know, do you feel significantly less confident in Charlie Strong during his comments and decisions during after Houston? Yes. yes. I think we've answered all of these questions already. I think we kind of already got to look at us. It's almost like we were in the head of the fan base. Almost like we were there. Almost. Can the Bulls comfortably beat UConn this week? Yes, because UConn is beat up. Also, I believe Charlie Strong would like to stay long enough to see our seniors graduate. Huh? You do? Really? However, P5 money calls. Okay, good. So how long we might we expect him to hang around? And do we have a hiring firm again at the ready? Every coach has a list of coaches in his back pocket. Every AD, rather, has a list of coaches in his back pocket at all time. If not, they're they're incompetent. I know Harlan always does. Are there, are there any former Bulls working on up incoming coaching credentials? Well, the one that I always thought would be the, make the most sense is just kind of in the worst situation right now, which is uh, Tennessee offensive coordinator, Larry Scott. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, you ask the, the guys that have been around this program for this long about Larry Scott and they love the guy, but he's also got Butch Jones clawing on top of him. How much he's really allowed to be an OC, I don't know. But Larry Scott would be like a guy who might USF might even be able to keep for a little while. Another guy, like I don't know if Ron Dugans is ready, but like Ron Dugans can recruit his face off as a really smart, engaging guy. And uh, you know, I just think you know if you could get him out of Miami, like I, uh, I just think a guy like that, guys out of that mold who might actually be at USF for a few years and can build. Cause you know, you can go another rental, you know, try and get another rental situation if it happens. But I would almost hope that would USF would try and get somebody in that way. is going to be able to spend a little bit of time here. My help with recruiting too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. We, we got to look at who can get the most out of Brett Keen or Chris Oladukin. All right. That, that, that period it's who what new coach is going to get those two guys to play the best football that they can and i i don't have the question i don't have the answer to that it could be larry scott or it could be just someone we haven't even thought of you know you know future head coach kevin Sumlin, he might be able to do it i mean he got you know he yeah. was there for manzel right he was the coach yeah, yeah. um but that's a breaking that's also, a breaking system Kenny Trill. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, a real double-edged sword with uh, someone and his quarterbacks. So, I, 
we'll see if they go rental if they go long term i would i would i would lean towards long term but like if a great rental is out there and you know the situation's right and you can make it work then that's fine too yeah uh, but it's just too soon to tell speaking of coaching this is what this question is from twitter uh it's from edgar at e Bernier 78. Did we rush to hire Charlie Strong in the hope of landing a big name? Is he the right fit long term? Long term, he's not going to be here past December 7th. December 2nd is the AAC Conference Championship game. So I'm assuming, you know, shortly after that. December 7th is the day Willie took the Oregon job. So from that point on, he's free game. We will try and skip the repetitive ones. They're obviously, Gilbert's terrible. Is the um, team more willing now than ever to put a foot in someone's ass, especially on Black Friday? Who the hell knows? Like, I, I mean, they got to be put in positions to win. Do they want to beat up? See, absolutely. They want to stuff it down their throats. That Those teams do not like each other. Like, that's not a made-up thing. They really don't get along, and it's there's legitimate rivalry there. Of course, they're going to want to shove it up their ass, but are they going to be put in positions where they can do that? I don't know. Asking for a friend, how do I fix a broken heart? Well, Zach Palmer... Time heals all wounds. We've all been through those bad breakups. That you know, your first one's always the worst. But since I'm a USF fan, I've been through like dozens of these at this point. Like you know, between basketball and you know that God, the the O2 team that was nine and two and didn't even get to go to a bowl game, which is such bullshit. You know, I've been through like heartbreak at USF like so many times. I I can't even. I can't even. So. Like the ones that the things that have made it worth it as a USF fan have been like individual games, like, you know, West Virginia, Auburn, Notre Dame, you know, games like that. And, you know, like the going with the softball team, in the women's college world series, that was really cool. Cause they, their super regional was crazy dramatic and crazy fun and like super awesome. And then they got, they got to, to the final thing. And that was worth it. That men's basketball team in 12 that made the run, and won two games in the tournament, like going to be there, like all of this shit that USF basketball gave me for the first, however many years of my life, totally worth it for that. Just, just to be there and just to see it like going in as a 12 seed, you know, winning two games. Awesome. But on the other hand, being a USF fan, you're going to get your heart broken a lot. So like at this point, I don't want to say I'm used to it, but I'm kind of used to it. Probably been doing this too long. The answer is booze. We're kind of used to. Yeah, your first, mm-hmm. your first, the first girl that you ever broke up with is always the one that hurts the worst, you know. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm just like, just like in my real life, I'm I'm cold and and, and, <laughs> and distant, <laughs> just sort of incapable of emotion when it comes to these things. <laughs> it's rubbed off on my love life. Healthy. <laughs> Super healthy. <laughs> I'm super, totally super emotionally healthy. No wonder I'm a USF fan. Um, <laughs> did we rush to hire Charlie Strong in the hope of landing a big name to see the right fit long term? I think we rushed to hire Charlie Strong in the hope of landing a big name as a rental. Like, I, I think it was sort of like a mutually agreed upon thing. Okay, well, if you're here for a couple of years, that's great. We win. If we get over the top and you manage this talent that we have correctly and just sort of keep everything going, that's fantastic. But the problem is, is that they got to win a championship. And right now, UCF is definitely the better team that should win the championship. Nate? Yes. Uh, man. Sorry, I'm, I'm just reminiscing about my my first loves, you know? Just yeah. so heartbroken. Um, 
so it's rental and i think we did hire the right guy he was the best he was the best guy for us at the time i mean it's it is what it is players coaches coach fans fan you know you're an aac school man you're not getting kirby smart ain't coming you know what i mean like you're not getting you're not getting guys like that to come here but shout out to governor kirby man he has turned jordan into a freaking powerhouse i fully admit i was a doubter 100 percent admit i thought he he was and i was wrong He's got it, man. He figured it out. And he's got Dalvin's little brother on board who I think there's word that he's actually better than Dalvin. So he's got be, that quarterback, number one quarterback in the country too. Yeah, he was on I ESPN mean, a couple weeks ago. Hot dang. Yeah. Good for him. Yep. Um, this yep. next question is from Kelly at Kill Craig Kelly. Uh, so we won the next two games. Likely I'd say 75% chance we won both. Uh, won't a ball control strategy you know, run first be the best against CDOT? Do we really want to track meet with them? It's got a point. I mean, but it has to be effective. I mean, right. It's got to be effective. And, and the other problem is, is that, you know, except for at Oliver, Shaq Griffin's going to be the best down lineman you play all year. Like, that kid's really good. And they've got a really good front four. So, they and the thing about C is is that not only is their offense just pinball, but their defense is really talented. They, they can get stops. They can get off the field. They have not seen an offense this year as as, as down as USF is. They really haven't seen anybody mm-hmm. that can play like USF can. I mean, unless you want to argue Memphis, and they really just they sort of just shut Memphis down. So. I mean, is there is there a puncher's chance? Yes. If USF does find, you know, the the Gulf Coast offense playbook in a, you know, buried on a shelf somewhere and and put some of that stuff in. Sure, but they fell behind a see, couch cushion or something. But when they're running their first, when they run their first ten plays at a eleven personnel with you know a tight end lined up as a fullback and just. Jamming the ball, man. I... And and you know, it's at second half, Houston. Houston goes down and scores. And then USF answers right back with a touchdown of their own. And you know, first 10, 15 plays of every half are scripted. So those yeah. first 10 plays that USF ran worked perfectly. And I, I believe I said it on Twitter. I said, all right, now let's see what Sterling does when he has to, you know, go with the flow, the game flow. Wait, are you talking about the you talking about the Houston game? Yeah, first series they got stuffed. No, in the second half. Oh, second half. Oh, second half script. Yeah, second half. Oh, script. Okay. So you know, the first you know, okay. ten plays of each half are going to be scripted offensively, and right. they went down and scored right after Houston. You know, answered with like it was like a thirteen play drive or something like that. Right. And then USF scored, and then you know I said. Okay, now what? What what are they going to do? What plays is Sterling going to be able to pull out of his butt or call, you know, a good game the rest of the way and it didn't really happen. And what they, it, they scored one other time the rest of the half and it's Well, they called that play where they they zone blocked the offensive line to the right and let Quentin roll to his strong side. And then they gave him like a levels option, like short and then a deep shot down the field on it. Oh no, wait, they didn't do that. Well, then they ran that play where they could run, you know, the little, you know, tight end just over the middle sits down in the middle of the zone to help keep guys consolidated, you know, across so that the receivers running across, you know, 
steeper routes behind it. No, they didn't run that either. Well, they could run the play where they like, you know, find a way to get your halfback involved or maybe even like, I don't know, a halfback option pass with Ernest Johnson. Cause we haven't seen that all season. Like they could now then do that. Oh yeah. It was just, there's so much there that they're not using and it's just insanity. Mm. It's fucking insanity. Sorry, Olivia. Okay. Are we done? Asleep. Oh, uh, yeah, she's asleep. She's been asleep. For about speaking of Mazel. Oh, speaking Speaking of Mazel Tov, thanks to Jeff Fishman. All of the teams are giving him shout-outs on Twitter today. Yeah, um, uh, good for him. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, he donated, I forget how much money it was. I, think, it was I believe it was a uh, $750,000 lead gift with other donors chipping in to basically completely renovate the Fishman family uh, student-athlete enrichment center, which you know now has like 31 individual computer labs, six one-on-one sections for tutors and uh, students um at you know computer areas and study halls and at you know camera said it's you know a really good place for students to take care of the student part of college life and uh jeff fishman continues to be one of the best donors and alumni usf has ever had and you know shout out to him and uh thank you for everything you do so i'm totally more people like him right i'm totally biased because i love jeff he's a great guy um so but the problem is is that we need 99 more jeff fishman's and and that's you know a school like texas has 100 jeff fishman's or more and and that's just what we need is we need more guys like him who are just bought in and understand it and get it and are in it for the right reasons and are trying to, you know, make the the program better and not just for the for the program, but for the university as a whole. Now, two things to tack on to that. One, we're hearing more and more things about this indoor practice facility, that there's mm-hmm. going to be some sort of announcement coming in the next few weeks. What that announcement is, I've heard multiple different things. I've heard from it's built, they got it paid for and shovels going in the ground and it's going up. And I've also heard like, it's just going to be sort of like a rollout campaign for, so where the hell it is, I don't know, but we're going to hear something about it here in the next few weeks, most likely. So I'm just, I can't, I can't confirm anything. I, and quite frankly, what I hear from the football people sounds a lot more positive than what I hear from the non-football people. So we'll see. And um, uh, if you recall, I asked Charlie about this earlier this year after the stadium feasibility study came out and he said, I want something to show the recruits. And right. it's, I need the indoor practice facility before a new stadium because I mean, we played a top notch stadium already. So right. give me the indoor practice facility. And, we'll and go he said there. that he also said that at the uh, the donor event, and I it sort of went a little off script, I think, uh, at the donor event at Ulele before the season started. He just came out and said, you know, we need an indoor practice facility. We need to get this done. Now, Charlie, if you can say that, and I, I appreciate that, and I agree with you, that it needs to be, you know, if the, the biggest thing that a championship could help get this program is maybe some fundraising to get started for that project. That needs to be priority number one for this program over a stadium right now. Just being real. But that also requires a coach to go out in the community and help raise those dollars and be a part and be bought into this program, you know, and to get the community going in that direction. Just throwing it All out. Right. Uh, yeah, just real quick on stadiums and whatnot. Uh, you can ask Amon about this. UConn is getting new soccer, baseball, and softball stadiums. The Board of Trustees approved the $60 million for new on-campus facilities. 
don't know where the hell they got that money. They're broke. Like broke. That whole state is broke. Like that, they're taking like a hundred million dollars in cuts right now. I guess they privately fundraise that somehow. I don't know. Cause the entire state, like Yukon's facing budget cuts that would make any Floridian even cringe. So, um, yeah, I would ask good. him about that. Cause it looks like, uh, he said the Yukon blog has confirmed. So I'm assuming it's from him or his guys. So I, yeah, would, yeah, I would ask him about that. Um, yeah, we'll do all right, it. I'm done. You're done? Anything else? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think we're good. Um, So uh, we'll talk to Amon here real quick. uh, But thanks, Nate. Thanks, Olivia. You did a great job. All right. uh, Peace out, guys. I appreciate uh, it.